What's good, what's good, what's good, my people? You've just tuned in to another episode of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast, where I interview inspiring entrepreneurs within the entertainment field. And yo, me, I'm Brown96, the host. And yo, today we got a dope, dope interview with a producer slash engineer. He goes by the name of Ash Matthews. Yo, you're going to like this. I hope you learned something from uh, from the homie Ash, and uh, you know what I mean. Stay tuned, cause we dropping nothing but that dopeness, man. So, yo, listen, learn, and apply it to your own lives, man. Cause I know we all need that knowledge in our lives. You know what I mean. That's how we get better at things. You know, even though we go through failures, you know, and, and ups and downs, man. That's how we learn. That's how we do things. You know what I mean to progress in our lives. And I hope this teaches at least one person. That'll be my mission, man. At least if one person comes out of this, you know, listening to a, an episode of mine, um, you know, and learning something and applying it to their own lives, yo, that's what it's about. And that's why I'm doing this, man. And yo, just like I always say, man, strap on that seatbelt, dog, and get ready for the ride. Because this is going to be another dope ride down the hip-hop spot side. Yeah, yeah. Producer slash engineer straight out of Ohio. Yo, we got Ash Matthews on the line. What's good, man? What's good, man? How you doing? All right, man. Everything's good. Everything's good, man. We're just trying to, you know what I mean? Inspire the youth, man. Inspire the people that are going through those rough patches, you know what I mean? In their careers and just trying to get a little info from people that have gone through those rough times, you know, to spread the word, man. Um, So, uh, I mean, drop the knowledge bomb, man. I mean... Where do you come from? You know, what you're about, how, you know what I mean? Your ups and downs, man. Uh, yeah, man, I uh, grew up in Ohio, obviously. Um, was into music at a real young age, and my mom, I had parents that were all about letting me taste everything, taste this and that, play different sports, did different things, different activities, but the one that always uh, got me the most was music, taking piano lessons and being in bands at a young age, and then uh, just growing up playing more and more music and, and gotten to the idea of wanting to be able to capture the music that we were playing, and that became that, all right, now I can capture it, but how do I make it sound good? And then working with other people to do that and and really found a passion in it and really found a deep interest and skill that I thought I could uh, do something with. And basically ever since then, it's been practice, learn, read, practice, learn, read, take some classes, go to events, meet people, uh, get my feet wet, try to get little doing stuff for free here and there, uh, gaining mentors to learn from and, and, uh, and access to their network and then just keep building until uh, I got to the point where I am now where I, uh, I run a home studio but it's more than just a studio it's a bit of a label as well um some artist management some graphic design some uh, just anything i can do within the industry um outside of just recording mixing mastering um and then i also work at a professional studio in dayton ohio um as a staff engineer there working with people and just kind of uh just trying to build a legacy of of quality music quality sound and he's doing the right thing, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. Sounds cool. And I mean, <clears throat> who got you introduced into the whole, um, you know what I mean? I mean? I mean, who schooled you with the whole mixing and mastering and stuff, man? Um, I really it started off myself because it, it came up at a necessity of, of uh, making music and writing music with friends and needing to find a way to record it so we could play it back and practice or play it back and write. And then it became trying to uh, uh, record it and, and make it sound good so that other people could listen to it. And I remember being in like a rock band when I was like 15 and uh, 
one of our friends that we knew just from the music scene um, had a little home studio. So we went there and that recording process, like, I think that was a trigger that really opened my eyes into like, I just want to do what he's doing. I wish I could just run everything and mix it down. And, and uh, so from there, I just dove deep myself into it. Um, a lot of self-learning until I got to um, probably when I, I studied recording industry studies as a minor in college. So there was a lot there. Um, but then also a couple of years into that program, I got an internship at a small studio in Indianapolis and uh, with a guy named Andy. And he taught me a lot, not just about the business, but mixing and mastering as well. But for the most part, self-taught, dude, books, YouTube, going mm-hmm. to workshops and lectures, anywhere I can gain information, asking, just finding people and asking them and then just practicing. All right. So your first equipment, man, can you name that? Uh, what did you first use as for software and like, you know, just gear? Um, my first equipment was probably, um, I know I used software called um, Traction. Traction mm. was the first software that I used in multi-track, like very, very initial, like 13 years old. Oh, I was shit. using Audacity, Audacity to record like a live room. But the first time I actually got into like multi-tracking and stuff was uh, a program called Traction, which came with a uh, Mackie Onyx, which was a little interface mm. that, that I got from another person that was older than me in the music scene that I was involved in. Um, I think at the time I didn't have like good monitors at all. They were just like computer speakers. Probably. Hmm. I know I eventually, um, was borrowing my friend. Um, I think it was a Behringer mixing board and some like, like stage speakers. Hmm. Um, and I was using those. Um, and Eventually, I got a Line UX2, which was another little small, cheap interface. Um, all stock plugins. Like I didn't have any crazy plugins or anything at the time. And this was, and this was almost ten years ago. Hmm. Wow, wow, that's there's a lot of uh, MacGyvering in it. <laughs> Oh, oh, definitely. It was, it was definitely get what you can and just make it work. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. See, a, a lot of people are in those shoes right now. You know, like even though there's more out there than we had ten years prior, um, there there's still a lot of primitive uh ways of um still making that sound. You know what I mean? And actually, yeah. a lot of people that I that I've actually interviewed, like uh producers and such, they've actually mentioned that older equipment gives it more of that uh what was it like that 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 warmness would you agree with that um yeah i mean at this point there's so many really good plugins that can emulate that type of sound that it's not needed but there is the thing about outboard gear and older gear and running through physical gear rather than plugins is that since it uses physical circuits and actual signals. It's not just like mathematical equations. There's this room for error. And this error that happens isn't predictable. It's not mathematic. It's just what happens. And there's wear and tear on these uh, on this gear. And it's, it's a sound that like you can't recreate. A lot of it's very nuanced and undescribable because you can't, exactly pinpoint what's like the little changes that happen to the signal as it goes through the gear. Um, so like, that's, what's really cool about it is that it, it has that sound because of little tiny errors that happen in a signal path. Hmm. So, I mean, it's cool. I don't, you can still recreate a lot of those types of sounds with like modern day plugins because they've just gotten so incredibly good. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's kind of just more authentic to use that stuff too. So I get it. I can go either way. So you as, as someone that's all, like on the daily using, you know, gear like that, 
you can tell whether it's been used uh, through the actual uh, product or an interface, right? You can tell, right? I don't think I can tell. Oh, really? Well, there's a lot of people. Yeah, and there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of like super professional, like top tier, like people that have been fooled by it as well. Like some of the wow. best ears in the world can still be fooled between whether it's an emulated plugin or the actual piece of gear. Like it's, that's how good it's gotten. Wow. Um, the plugins. Man, that's that's super. I mean, that's nice to hear, you know, because I mean, like, it's way easier using the plugin than actually having to figure out the actual gear itself, you know, because it, it takes a while to figure certain yeah. things out, man. Yeah, there's, you know, the, um, the thing that is different though is when you start using those things for effect. There is a, uh, there's an engineer. Uh, um, I don't want to, I don't want to get this wrong. I feel like her name is Sylvia Mackey, but I don't know that that's right. I would have to look it up. I'm sure I have something nearby, but she um, she records, she's like a really big name in the industry, and she does uh, a lot of like rock bands and like heavier metal bands and heavy rock bands and alternative bands and stuff like that. Um, and she'll do crazy stuff in recording. Like she will take the signal and run it through a potato or like, take take the uh, the amp and place it in an empty um, submarine missile tube and record what comes out the other end or take the signal and run it through a toaster or a microwave like she does a bunch of electrical engineering to run the signal of like a guitar or a vocal through just like appliances or potatoes or whatever and just see what happens, see what kind of sound comes out of it. Now, when you're doing stuff like that, like, yeah, you're going to get an effect. Like, it's going to sound different. It's going to sound indescribable and unreplicable. But, I mean, that's just, you can do anything, so why not? Man, that's, that's, a, that's actually like hustling to get that new sound out there. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. It's crazy what she does. Man. So now, as for microphones, man, like... Um, do you record, I mean, um, what are the genres that you usually record? Um, I mean, I, I'm mainly in the rap and hip hop genre, um, but I have, um, I've recorded like hardcore bands before. I record, recorded, um, like folk, indie rock, like acoustic guitar and ukulele, um, drum set a couple times. Um, I think probably one of the only things I haven't recorded is uh mini horns hmm. like trumpets or saxophones and stuff. I think that's probably the thing I've recorded the least, if at all. Okay. Now as for mics for like um there's a lot of um hearsay she say, you know what I mean? Like um of which type of mic is I mean it, of course it depends on the artist themselves, right? If if they have a, right. a deep tone or whatnot. So um as for like the usual mic that can kind of fit into both sides. What would you suggest? Um, I think a really, a really good affordable mic is the one um, that I use, which is a Rode NT1A. Um, it's great for vocals. It gets the job done. It sounds really good. It's in a good price range. Um, that's the one that, like, I would recommend for a lot of people um, if they're just doing vocal stuff. Um, on the higher end, anything by Neumann is is really good. If <laughs> most people can't afford to get like the top of the line microphones, play a big part. But more important than the microphone is the room that you record in. Mm, okay. Um, that like even if you have a cheaper microphone, the room that you record in can still make it sound good. Um, a lot of people think that recording like in a, in a booth or like a closet where you put up a bunch of, uh, sound absorption and like pads and foam and like making your space as dead as possible is the best thing to do, but that's, it can work, but it's not the best thing to do because what you lose is the sound of someone's voice in a natural space. That's a very unnatural environment that you're creating, which then you have to recreate 
when you're mixing to add uh, some natural reverb uh, and space around the vocal to make it sound not like it's dead, basically, or tight or enclosed. Um, so to be honest, the best thing to do is to have a decently sized room and record the vocals out in a decently sized room as long as you don't have like any crazy like flutter echo or natural reverb or room nodes or, or anything like that a, a bigger room is is much better and don't don't record in a bathroom or a kitchen or things with like a lot of hard flat surfaces because i mean you're going to get a bunch of problems that way because really what it is is you're trying to set up for the mix so basically if you have all these extra sounds around um that's gonna mess with your mix right right gotcha gotcha and it's i mean microphones are such a hard thing because number one everyone's gonna sound different on a different microphone you know and you can make a bad microphone sound pretty damn good um with the right room and the right mixing you can make a really good microphone sound kind of bad if you don't have the right room or you don't have the right ear Mm -hmm. and there's microphones that range from like 200 bucks to like seven thousand dollars you know what i mean and and there's so many to choose from i believe uh one that i've used pretty often is the uh neumann tlm i don't know it's probably a 102 it could be a 103 but i doubt it i don't know man there's so many microphones to choose from the, the standard rule is if you're recording vocals you want a large diaphragm condenser and then what you choose based off of that is kind of just up to you whatever works for the vocal you're working on of course you vibe off of the artists when they're there recording so now when when there's no one around how do you mentally prepare yourself for that session of just sitting there and just mixing and just being attentive to every you know every little action that you're putting into the um the mix or master i don't i don't really know now that you mentioned i don't know if i've ever really thought about it i think it's just i know what i want to work on and I think about where it was before and like what the type of track is, who the artist is. I think I do, if I do anything uh, mentally, it's just thinking about what I'm going to work on in the context of like what it is. You know, like, like I started thinking about like, all right, this song is for this person. Uh, it's for like this project or it's a single. Okay, um, what style is it? Okay, there's some singing and rapping, right? So I want to be, this, this song's supposed to be more relaxed, so I want to kind of be relaxed. Um, just just understanding, like, what the track is supposed to be, where it's at now, and, like, kind of an idea of where I want it to be. And I'll listen through the whole track uh, once or twice to just, like, remember what the whole thing sounds like as a whole and start thinking of, ideas for how certain things should sound or um, listening for anything that sounds off or wrong. And then once I kind of like have that all wrapped up, once those ideas are in and I kind of hear where it should go, um, then I just like zone in and I just get lost in the mix. And and it's uh, one of my favorite um, mix engineers and producers, uh, Jack Joseph Fuge. He has this, um, phrase that I actually have tattooed on me um, instinct and intellect and it's a combination of like um, you're making you're making movements like you're you're making adjustments in the mix here and there based on instinct like you hear something and instinctually you know what it should be so you know like it's almost like muscle memory of pulling up the EQ and being like, all right, right here. But then there's times when your intellect kicks in and you're like, all right, I need to look for it right here in this 1K region and cut it about there. 
Like it's this weird combination between mm. instinctual things that you know need to happen and making very uh, minute micro decisions on your intellect of knowing uh, the technical things of mixing and the technical things of sound. Um, and then just kind of get in the zone. But I think an important thing to remember there is also to like, every once in a while, you should take a break. Like, don't sit there for three hours straight trying to work on something because um, here's something to try. If you ever, uh, it, you should like, one thing I recommend is saving different versions. So like after however long, whatever arbitrary time you want to make up, save a separate version, like a whole separate file with like, like version two or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, like, because if you, if you do that and you do it every hour, I bet that when you get to hour three and you save your version three, if you sit there quietly for five minutes and then pull up version two, you're going to be like, oh, version two sounds way better than version three. Mm-hmm. Because with like ear fatigue and, and overthinking things, you start to make adjustments that don't really need to happen. They don't really need to be there and you're over mixing. That's if you just don't take breaks or if you just work on the mix for too long in general. But see, I have an unfair advantage in this because I'm just one of those, I'm just one of those people that like, I'm just natively instinctually super organized, like, like minor OCD type of thing where like my, my, uh, my folder structure, like my file system in my computer, I have a folder for uh, for just like recording and mixing projects. There's a whole folder for that, and then in each um, in that folder, there's a folder for each client and each like person or artist or group or whatever. Excuse me. And then in there uh, are folders for projects. Like there's usually like either a singles folder. And then uh, an album folder for if I've worked on multiple projects with them, there's different album folders. Uh, and then in there, there will be a, a, song, a folder for each song on that project or that grouping. Um, and then obviously the sessions are in there with the stems and all the files that I need in there. Um, and then when it comes to like the actual organization of like the session, dude, I'm... I'm just ridiculously anal about it. Like every, I have, I don't want to go into like, I could rant for like an hour about how I organize a session. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. But, but I would just say key things are, uh, name your tracks, always name your tracks and name them something that makes sense. Uh, use color coding, align things in your session together that make sense. Like, the drums should be together if you have a multi-track of the instrumental. The hook vocals should all be together. The verse vocals should all be together. And then when it get, comes to like busing in your sends, in your groups, like that's a whole thing I could do a whole like hour and a half lesson on, but obviously not going to do that here. Um, there's a lot of different ways to organize your sessions, but whatever the thing is, the important thing is, whatever works for you, do that. Like, I could tell you how I do it all day, but whatever works for you is what you should do. Just come up with a, a certain type of system that, that helps you out, right? Yeah, and, and if you want, another good thing to do is once you set up that <laughs> system, like, you set up a session and you're like, oh, this right here is, like, perfect. Like, I, I just feel like I can maneuver this session super easily. Save that session as a template and then that way every time you go to mix a session or you go to record someone you can just boom pull up the template and boom you're ready to go and everything is where you want it to be mm-hmm. yeah no doubt man that's clever as fuck man <laughs> i appreciate that um now um for the first time that you started charging for um for mixing and mastering how was that experience and when should someone consider to start charging um Man, I, I've got conflicting feelings about this, and I feel like I'm just going to start with, like, you do what you feel is right. Personally, for me, I didn't start charging anyone until uh, the beginning of 
last year, so like a year ago. There have been a few, well, in 2016, I did charge a couple people, but that was because I was like doing the whole thing with them, I guess. But it wasn't until I had been practicing and learning for seven years. I had gone to school. I had interned. I had done a bunch of stuff for free and just to practice. Um, before I started charging, but that was because I really, wa- I didn't, I don't know, man, there's a lot of reasons why I didn't want to charge until it made sense for me, until I felt like I could provide you with the quality, quality, uh, quality product. Um, but I mean, if you feel like you should charge, then go ahead. But I would say any artist that, artists are going to go where they can afford and artists that can afford certain things are going to pay more because they know the quality and you can charge if you want, but if someone doesn't think that like you're worth that, then they're not going to go for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, it's, it's really just based on you. What if you think you're good enough and, if you have a certain value on your time. Another reason I, I didn't charge for the longest time is that at one point I was part of a, of a collective working on music. So for the greater part of a year, um, I was working exclusively with them for the most part. Not completely, but for the most part. And so I wasn't charging them because we were a group. We were a team. And I, I was just working as part of the team then in starting my business even now i still try to have competitive rates but it's like a supply and demand thing Mm -hmm. now would you say the same for your production like for your beats and stuff would you say the same for that yeah there was a time when i I thought i was going to like start making more and more beats and then kind of set up a store and sell them and push them out and people buy them and and over Mm -hmm. time especially over the past couple years i feel like i've seen so many people do that and a lot of those people are really good, better than me, in my opinion. And so I've kind of just gotten to the point where I don't, I don't often sell beats. I will just give people beats in exchange for letting me do the recording and mixing and everything, oh, or okay. I'll give, or I'll, I'll give someone a beat for them to do a feature for somebody that I work with, mm-hmm. or. Or if I, oh, if you want to use my beat, I give you a discounted or free studio time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I'm not really in the game of, of selling beats and, yeah. and stuff. I, I have and I will, especially when people, like I've had a couple of people recently come to me, like commissioning me for beats. Like they want me to make a certain type of thing or they have something to go off of already. And in that case, I charge you because then it's more, of a job because a lot of the production that I do on my own is like, I just feel like making composing and making a beat or, or putting together a song idea. So it's not really so much a job as I just want to do this. But if someone comes to me for something specific, then it's like a job and I'll charge for that. So are you dropping any um, instrumental album soon? I, I dropped one uh, in the middle of last year. Uh, right now, I'm currently working on, I was going to do the same thing early this year and drop another instrumental album, but what I figured was I would uh, take all these instrumentals that I have saved up and have been making and try to find a bunch of artists mm. that would that like them, that would want to be on them, and the whole way I worked it out is I've I contacted tons and tons of artists. Um, I set up uh, a page on my website with a password and gave them the password and was like, go through the beats, let me know which ones you like, and I'm going to put together this thing. So I I combined all these different artists on all these different tracks. I'm getting them to work together and write together. And basically, I'm providing all of the beats, all the production, um, if they can and want to come record with me, uh, I'm giving them free studio time with me. I'm mixing and mastering all of them. The people that can't record with me are recording elsewhere and sending it into me. Wow. Uh, I'm doing the doing the cover art, mixing and mastering. I'll be distributing it and promoting it, and basically just making a whole like 
big, big project of a collaboration with a bunch of different artists. Like I'm talking over 30 artists are on this like 19, 18-track project. So you mentioned that none of them are paying you for this? Right. I get I get their name and their audience and their talent and their writing on the project. And in return for that, I'm giving them a platform. I'm connecting them with other artists. Mm. I'm giving them recording, mixing, mastering, promotion, distribution. I'm, uh, I've tried to make it so that I'm giving them a little more than I'm getting out of them. Mm. But I still feel like it's a, a good trade for everyone. So On that note, um, it sounds like you're pretty giving, man. I mean, and as a, I've learned as a, as a, an artist, um, it's not too much giving out there, man. <laughs> it's more of a taking. Yeah. The, the big thing about that is that I'm not out here trying to build my name as being the best of everything and I rule and I've got the tallest building and in order to do that I'm going to tear down other people's buildings and charge people everything and whatever because first of all I have a 9 to 5 job so this Mm. is my secondary job so I don't it's not like I rely on this Mm. to, um, to support my life obviously um, and that that gives me the freedom to build a legacy based on giving and helping. I'm not, because I'm not out here for myself. I, I can't do what I do without there being talented artists and talented artists that want to work with me. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Amen, and man. I, That's what it's about. Yeah. And I care about the music, and I want people to have quality music. So when I... When I hear people and I'm like, this is a good artist, but the recording and the mixing is just not, it's not up to par. It's, it's hurting him and it's hurting the potential that he has for people to like it. And I want it to sound good and I'm willing to work and, and give back to make that happen. Um, and like I said, I'm just trying to build, I'm trying to build a legacy based on a good reputation uh, on giving and and helping and supporting, not just trying to build the most profitable business. Mm. Um, that's that's not what I want my I don't want my brand to be like he built a he made the most money as an engineer. I want my legacy, I want my brand and my reputation to be like, that's an awesome guy and that's why I want to work with him. He makes me this quality work, and he's a, a cool, nice dude. And that's just, like, what I'm aiming for, I guess. Oh, um, So that's what that's what Callie needs more of, man. Callie needs more of, of, you know, that type of personality, that type of character, you know, that just that persona, you know, to, to help instead of, you know, give me, give me, give me, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. People, it's... Um, People are afraid of if if I'm giving, then that's giving them an edge and they could then be better than me. But I honestly, like, I'm not... When you are confident enough in, in what you do and what you can do and where you're going, then you don't really worry about the threats of other people. I don't see other... I don't see other engineers or artists or producers or anyone as a threat i i see them as a possible uh partner you know mm-hmm. what i mean that's what yeah um like i i'm not here to i'm not here to uh tear down what you have so that i so that i'm what people see i'm gonna help you come up but in doing that people are gonna realize that i'm helping you for a reason and be like I don't like. It's kind of hard to explain what I was getting at there. I get but, you. It's um, kind of like, uh, like me. Um, I've been actually searching for like the, uh, like the engineers and stuff, and like people that mixed and mastered, like, like you know, like Tupac. You know what I mean? People like that. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. like you don't really hear about them. You know, and and it's like they're the one 
the ones that actually put that great sound out there. Yeah, of course, Tupac and Biggie and all them, they it was their voice, but who made it sound sweet like that? You know, who was the creator of that, you know, that that orchestrated sound, you know? Yeah, man, uh, engineers tend to be the, the unsung hero. Like, it's, it's one of those things where the engine in it, like, a good mix can make you like a song, but you won't know it. Like, the general listener won't know the reason that they like the song. They're just like, I just like the song. And if somebody else would have mixed it, then they may not like that song, but they wouldn't have a reason why. They were just like, I, just, I don't like it. And it's that's what makes it so hard. And like engineers don't really get like credit or fame because most of them don't really care. Yeah, that's part of it. But the other part of it is like it's just like so detail oriented and so like mm-hmm. little subtle differences. Like I know even in production too. Like there can be a thing uh, when it's in there when you have like an element. Like say you have some sound or like really hidden melody or undertone or harmonics in in a in your uh, in the composition that you're making if you ask somebody who does, like doesn't have a super trained ear like okay and then you take it out they'll notice that it was out but they wouldn't have known that it was in there mm. but then once you put it back in they're like oh yeah i don't know what that is but it makes it so <laughs> much better and it's like mm. it's like that kind of stuff that uh, producers and engineers do that just don't get recognized because it's in there and you like it but if it wasn't in there you wouldn't like it as much you just don't know that wow yeah that's that's very detailed <laughs> um like you as a as an engineer how do you how do you take care of your ears man i mean i know sometimes when i've been mixing like for a couple hours I, my ears are like fucking i hear that that one sound in my ears, what is that, like tinnitus type? Yeah, like a ringing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or, or just like a muffled sometimes. Uh, a few important things, uh, like I said earlier, like take breaks. Like you can just walk away quietly for like five to ten minutes and just let your ears cool down and readjust to, to sound. Because what's happening is like your ears, like you have eardrums and sound is moving there and they just get tired. Like it's a muscle that just gets tired um, and they just need a break sometimes. Um, on top of that, uh, don't mix at a super high volume. Like I, there are some people that for some reason mix at like 100 dB, which is way too loud. Like a good mixing volume is like 83, 80, 80 to 85 dB. And if you don't know what your listening volume is, there are tons of apps out there you can just download and just open it up and play your music and it'll tell you, like it'll show in real time how loud you're listening. I mean, at times you want to turn it down more to check your mix, like what it sounds like quiet. And sometimes you want to crank it up a little bit and make sure it still sounds good cranked up. Like, you do want to adjust, but make sure, like, your steady listening volume isn't too loud. Um, and then the other obvious important thing is get some earplugs. Buy some nice earplugs. They're coming out with awesome technology with earplugs, dude. Like, uh, the ones that I have are called Dubs, I believe. They're right here. They're Dubs by a company called Doppler Labs and they're they're really good at like they're specially designed to like if you go to a concert or an event that um you can hear everything clearly but it's just it's it's dimmed a little bit so you don't hurt your ears and they have crazy crazy uh uh earbuds um earplugs that are out there now where you can like use an app and like adjust frequencies and reverb and loudness and everything it's insane what wow. kind of technology they're coming out with but not that you need those but yeah man that's dope i didn't know that can you talk to us about the um the type of stuff you do on your um monday sessions man on facebook oh my uh, the music review monday show yeah yeah can you talk about that man dude that's been so much fun uh man, i wish i could remember what what made me want to start doing that 
I, I think I just thought of the idea one day and just started doing it. It's basically, for anyone listening that doesn't already know, on uh, Monday evenings, I have a Facebook live show where I listen to artist submissions of recently released tracks, uh, unreleased tracks, uh, songs that they're working on, or even just stuff that they put out a while ago and just want feedback for. And the whole idea is that I listen to everything in real time all the way through and then um, give the artist um, and their groups, their teams, feedback uh, in regards to songwriting, uh, vocal delivery, vocal arrangement, uh, the mix, uh, the production, uh, the overall quality, the overall sound, the just like, and then a little bit of my opinion. I try to keep things uh, as objective as possible for constructive criticism, but I will also throw in some personal opinion because why not? It's my show. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been really great. Basically, I just open up the submissions on like, people do send them throughout the week, but I try to have them, everyone send them on Sunday, uh, Sundays and Mondays. And then they, I kind of just play them in the order that I get them. I've been doing it out of my home studio for a few months now, almost every Monday. And uh, this past week, I did it from uh, Raise the Bar Studios in Dayton, Ohio. It's where uh, I currently start. I recently started working um, and had the head engineer there on me as a guest. I've been wanting to have a guest for a while, and I think it made it really interesting have somebody else to give feedback uh, along with me. Um, and it was a really good show. I don't know, man. It's a lot of fun. It's just a way for me to give back and help people become better artists or better engineers and also a platform for people uh, to share their music. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I, and I appreciate that you played our song, man. That was, that was super dope. And, and uh, man, there's a ton yeah. of there's a ton of talent out there, man. Ton of talent, man. And it's just they need some some kind of platform, like you mentioned, some kind of f- platform that someone actually gives them feedback and actually, you know, listens as opposed to just, all right, yeah, that's cool. Like, you know, uh, uh, an actual feedback from someone that knows about, you know what I mean, the, the ins and outs of the uh, mixing and all that man that's super dope yeah a lot of I, I feel like there's a lot of people I see on my timeline on Facebook a lot and even other places of, of people asking uh, for feedback and I mean that's probably where I got the idea was people like were asking other people for feedback and I was like curious like I wonder if those people are giving them like honest feedback I wonder hmm. if they're giving them good feedback constructive feedback or if they're just like yeah man i liked it or i don't really like it or telling them they liked it when i didn't mm-hmm. and i was just like i want to give people like honest honest feedback like if i think it's not good i will tell you that it's not good but i'm going to tell you what you can do to make it better mm-hmm. i'm going to see the potential in everything and after all, I'm there. I'm not there to just to just be a critic and be like, "Oh, that was a good song," or "Oh, that was a bad song," or "Oh, this dude sounds like this dude," or whatever. I'm there to, like, like you said, man, actually listen and and give feedback that people can use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. We need more like that out there, man. We need more of that st- type of stuff. Cause you imagine, I mean, like <laughs> sometimes I, I started thinking, like, you imagine the type of music that we would have now if we had social media like in the 90s and 80s man we'd be so advanced it'd be insane and i mean eventually i guess we'll know what that would be like in in 20 years when Mm -hmm. social media has been around that long yeah 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 now what motivates you on the day-to-day man like what inspires you on the day-to-day what inspires me on the day-to-day um well uh, what inspires me on the day to day? I don't know. It's partially it's just in my soul. Like I just get up and I'm as I'm going throughout the day, I'm just thinking about like what what can I do today to make the next move? What can I who can I talk to? Uh who can I give value to today? Who can I 
support today? What music should I listen to today? I guess one thing that will motivate you, if you have trouble feeling motivated, and to be honest, a lot of where I get my, uh, I don't want to say ideas, but my, my how I want to go about life and business. And if you listen to this person, you will hear him say things that I've said like during this uh, talk because I got it from him is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V on, uh, look him up on YouTube. He's the CEO of a, of a media agency. And I'm not going to go into his whole backstory, but mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's also about building a legacy based on doing the right thing and being good and giving back more. Uh, but he's also very motivational about like, just do it. Like, what What are you waiting for? Like, it's a long game. It's a long, you have to have patience. It's not about, you know, getting to the top by the end of the year. It's a 5, 10, 15-year game, and that's how I'm playing it, I guess. And so I think having that patience is what motivates me throughout the day is that I don't really get unmotivated because I'm not expecting anything, you know? Mm. Um, how do you deal with procrastination? Um, I think the best way to deal with procrastination is right before you're about to procrastinate, just do it. Everyone has that moment right before they're about to procrastinate where they just decide, I'll do it later. Like that, right at the peak of that, uh, just do whatever it was. Because once you start, then you're just in. Mm. Like that's the, the the way to beat procrastination is to just start. And I know that seems like redundant, like, well, the point of procrastination is that you're not starting. But um, don't, don't get me wrong, though. I'm not going to, I'm not holier than thou. I fall <laughs> victim to procrastination. I've got a dog, and sometimes I get home, and I'm just like, I get home from my day job, and I'm like, I really just want to sit on the couch and play with my dog. <laughs> and have the Big Bang Theory on, which is a terrible show, but it'll be on the it'll be on in the background while I look at my phone and play with my dog. And the thing is, it's okay to do that. It's it's okay to procrastinate a little bit, just a little bit. But eventually, you got to get up and just start and just do it. And once you start, that's all there is to it. Now, with your uh, ideas on the daily, how do you how do you um how long do you stick with an idea before you give it up? I try not to toss ideas. I think it's important to, if you have an idea, just go for it and and stick with it until it doesn't make sense to stick with it. Like the uh, the Monday Monday music review thing, like that was just an idea. I didn't like if you look at the production value between the first one and the one I just did this week it's miles ahead of it and that's that's because I did it once and it went okay I had a lot of fun doing it so I just kept going with it there's another thing I do there's another thing that I, I've been doing that um, I've got a private group on Facebook um, it's a music club where every week the people uh, I put up a poll in the group of, of albums that came out on Friday the albums come out on Friday on Sunday or Monday, I put up a poll of all the ones that I think are at least mildly interesting or really interesting, and then I have everybody in the group vote on those albums, and then the top two or three get picked, and then for the entire week, the people in the group are supposed to listen to those two or three albums, and then at the end of the week, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we review them and talk about them, our opinions and thoughts on those albums. Um, and it was an idea I had to get people just more engaged in talking about music. When I started it, there were there was tons of interest. A bunch of people wanted to be a part of it, and I've just watched it. I've been very consistent. I've been pretty consistent. I've done it pretty much every week. I put up the poll. I make the discussion, the album discussion. I put my opinions, and I've watched the uh, participation dwindle down over time but I'm just sticking to it until it really just doesn't make sense for me to be doing it anymore and I enjoy it so I'm going to stick with it but yeah I think I think if you have an idea do it 
and go with it and go with it as long as you can until you have a better idea or you start doing another idea and that just works a lot better or this is the thing you gotta play the long game not everything's gonna blow up right away the people that are on YouTube now some of the people that are on YouTube now that have like millions and millions of followers they've been on YouTube for like five seven nine ten fifteen years maybe about fifteen but at least ten or more uh, years making YouTube videos weekly or daily. Back then, like, they may have had, like, 100 views. Their first, like, 1,000 videos may have no more than 500 views each, but now they're getting, you know, 500,000, a million, 2 million views because they stuck with it. And, and the platform grew. So, I don't know, if you have an idea, do it and just really stick with it. If you really enjoy it, if you're passionate about it, if you like it, whatever the idea is, big or small, just stick with it, dude. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. People don't stick with things. Yeah, I keep saying, man, I keep saying, the key to success is staying consistent, man. Consistency takes you a long way, man. Yep, no doubt, man. Now, um, as I, you know, pick at your brain, you know, with all the stuff that you've been through with your career and with your, you know, just experiences that you've had with artists or whatnot, is there something that you regret? I mean, we all have regrets, you know, like if you had a chance to go back in time, man, what would you change, if anything? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I don't know. I don't often look backwards, so... It's a difficult question for me because I, I just, I always try to look at where I'm at in like my next couple steps and then a mile down the road. So I don't often look back at things that I may or, or may not have done because like all in all, whatever, I am where I am and by whatever means I got to where I am, I am where I want to be and I'm going where I want to be going. So it's hard for me to regret things in the past, knowing where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like if I was in a, if I was in a bad place, or I I wasn't doing what I enjoy, or I wasn't getting, I, I don't know. If I just wasn't where I'm at, then maybe I would I would be regretting something. But I can't. I have no complaints about where I'm at right now. So I can't imagine regretting anything that I've done. Sure, there are things I could have done differently and who knows, but I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it doesn't really matter because I'm here now, so. Yeah. So, I mean, we're molded to be the way we are now, so if many, you know, maybe something was, was to be different in the past, maybe you wouldn't be completely the way you are, the way you think, the way you, you know, act today. So you're right, man, no doubt. If you were to wake up tomorrow and find yourself starting from scratch, like step one, you know, you knew no one in the business, you knew completely no one, man, and you just basically knew that you had that passion to, you know, to do what you do now. But, but like, I'm talking about nowadays, not when you first started, like when there was less, you know, there was no social media or maybe little of it, um, you know, what would you do in the next seven days? I would spend... Not just the next seven days, but I would spend the next three months um, reaching out to anyone that looked like they were doing what I wanted to do on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Reddit. And I would just start talking to all of them and ask as many questions as possible. Because like even in this situation right now, I love talking to you about this because it's my passion. It's what I do. And I'll sit here all day and talk about it. And so will those people. So find the people that are doing what you want to do and start talking to them and asking uh, their opinions on here, on sources of information. Like if someone came to me, I could recommend them about four different books, probably two or three different YouTube channels. I have a whole YouTube playlist I can share of, of tips and tricks and interviews. I've got a magazine I'm subscribed to that's free that I think they would, should be subscribed to. Just find the people doing what you want and just talk to them 
and they will start guiding you where you need to be. And then from there, find something local where just try to find a place where they do what you want to do and see what you can do for them for free just to be there. Like I would offer, if I was that person, I would reach out to a studio uh, in my city and be like, hey, can I like sweep your floors and clean your bathroom and restock your fridge and do anything you need me to do just so I can sit in on sessions? The, the amount of knowledge and experience that you'll gain by being around the people and in the setting and watching how things go is something that will put you way ahead of, of someone else that's in your exact same position. I mean, and then from there, you can start getting your own gear. Maybe if you do get that relationship with the studio, they'll let you uh, assist uh, on sessions, not just sit there and watch. You can start investing in, um, in in your own setup and your own thing that you want to do. Uh, but I think there's a lot of learning to do from good resources before you just start throwing money at stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, man. Man, you know, it just reflects the passion that you have about this, about, you know, the mixing and just music in general. You know, it just shows the passion of that you have for this man and i appreciate the time you're giving us to um just share a little bit of your you know expertise on on um on just you know behind the music behind the the songs and stuff of what it takes to make an actual song and you know the effort that goes into it all that the work man uh, i appreciate it man and um more or less when do you think that um album might be released well first of all i appreciate i appreciate all that it's my pleasure to talk about this stuff and, and give anyone advice or insight into all of it. As far as the album thing that I'm working on, we're still in the writing and recording phase. I was hoping to have most of the record, most if not all of the recordings done by the end of February. If I had to make an educated guess that, that made sense, I would assume that this will be done and ready by the middle of the year. It's still a long way out, um, especially because I'm trying to, to make it really good and take my time. I'm not just trying to rush to put something out. And mm-hmm. I've got a lot planned. I've, I've got a lot planned for it in terms of uh, promotion and artwork and and still got to finish the recordings and mix them all down and master them all down and, and get all that stuff ready. So there's a lot. That's one of that's one of the last things that uh, I'll say about about being a, a new artist or a young artist or, or whatever is like really kind of plan out the stuff that you work on. Yeah, it's kind of important to be consistent and be putting things out, but you can also like really plan out your projects and really plan out your videos and and your work and put like put time and effort into it because it the extra time you spend really shows but yeah sometime hopefully by the middle of the year i should be rolling that out okay and where can we find that instrumental album you mentioned uh that is everywhere that you listen to music except for soundcloud uh it's on spotify apple title deezer google amazon it's it should be everywhere it's called Ash Matthews Off the Shelf, and yeah, super dope, man, super dope, man. Like I said, I appreciate your your the time you're giving us today, man, and uh, I want to wish you you know further success in your field, man, and um, you know people will stay in tune, you know, in tune with uh, and, and ready to listen to that new album you got, um, and I appreciate it, man. Thank you for all. Yeah, no problem. If anyone uh, wants to check out any more stuff that I do and what I'm working on, and if you want to work with me, if you want to link up or whatever, or if you just want me to share your stuff, you can uh, find my contact info and all my stuff at www.smartboystudios.com. Sounds good. Yo, so for today, man, we are here with ash matthews and i am your host brown checking out for today's episode of the hip-hop spot and like i always say man you gotta stay inspired stay motivated and overall my people stay dope yo that's it